0: Grave Digger Radio broadcast live from the afterlife. Welcome to Grave Digger Radio, guys. We are so excited to be back in the studio, back doing this podcast. We've been on a bit of a, a brief hiatus over the past nine months. Uh, a lot of life changes. I had to take a little bit of a break. It's all your fault. It is uh, actually. I, uh, I had to take a bit of a break from doing the show and I, I finished up my, uh, physician assistant. So I'm, I'm now board certified, licensed and all that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and can really, Jack of d- dedicate my, uh, spare time to doing this podcast again. And, uh,
1: you mean dead?
0: Yes. Dedicate time to doing this podcast and bringing you guys some weird and spooky stories. So we are back for as, as long as you guys will continue to listen and. I was kind of blown away by the fact that we, our audience continued to grow and we had more listens and everything over the the break, over the the hiatus here. Maybe that's a subtle hint that we should stop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it can the, go either way. The fact that more people listened while we were off yeah. the air than when well, we were thank God on. they finally shut up. Right here, we'll just we'll we'll stroke their ego a little bit if they'll just <laughs> go away. No, but seriously, it it's really awesome to have such a fantastic fan base out there. And, the, you know, you guys are the reason we do these shows and take the time and effort to all three make this podcast. You. Yes, all all three of our, our diehard listeners. No, it's it's actually a lot more than that. And we're really grateful for that. But, you know, enough about that, Jason. Let's get this show on the road.
1: Yeah, I want to announce something and invite all of our listeners. This October, my former employer, the Department of Writing, Rhetoric, and Digital Studies at the University of Kentucky. No, they didn't fire me. I took a different job. But they're hosting the Wild Weird World of Word Film Festival 2022. The first showing is on October 10th, and they'll be showing the movie It Follows from 2014. And the next week, October 17th, The Thing, the original one from 1982. And then finally, Halloween Night Trick or Treat in 2007. Kind of an anthology movie about the rules of Halloween and the bad things that happen if you break break them. All of these films will be hosted by Dr. Tom Marksberry. He's been on the show before, and I hope he'll be on again. He teaches a class at UK about the rhetoric of horror movies. And after each showing, he's going to spend about half an hour to talk about why he selected these films and have like a bit of a Q&A for anybody to ask questions about about what they've just seen and how it's relevant and what makes it a good film that's representative of the genre. All the shows start at 7 p.m. in the Student Center on UK's campus. All the shows are free, so all you uh, do is sort out parking, which, of course, is free after hours, so everybody should come. If you're in the Central Kentucky area, um, we're all going to be there, and it should be a great time. Dr. Marksberry is freaking awesome. And yeah, it's, it's, it's
0: free to the public, right? Not just yeah. free to students or members
1: of UK. Yeah,
2: free. If you want a, an autobiography of my first two years of college, we'll watch It Follows.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually finally watched that for the first time about a week ago, and it was actually, I, I really enjoyed it. Good flip. The, uh... Some of the, the iterations of the monster that you see throughout the movie mm-hmm. were, were actually quite haunting, uh, especially the great big, like, tall guy that just keeps appearing randomly through uh, yeah. through there, which, you know, yeah, that's a really cool, like, scary scene and, and kind of freaky, but I do feel bad for the actor, because <laughs> imagine that that's kind of your, your role in life is to be the big, lanky, freaky, tall guy that appears in horror movies. Yeah, but he's always got a job. Yeah, I mean, he's never going to run out of of conventions, you know. But no, definitely check out It Follows. That one was a lot of fun, and we will be there. So come hang out with
1: us, watch some spooky movies, and support the arts. Funny story, right as we were starting this show, I started recording before and got interrupted about this point because there's an Airbnb across the street. And these three fellows came over a little bit spooked and uh, heard that I do weird things in my basement, so they wanted to talk to us. Uh, they had a bit of a scare in the Airbnb. They've been there for about three nights and a bunch of their furniture's been moved around, their stuff's been taken out of the refrigerator. One fella <laughs> said he saw a shadow person in his room. So we went over and did like a quickie, like one hour paranormal <laughs> investigation right in the middle of this episode. So. Wow. Yeah, we uh this
0: is kind of the second recording of this episode mm-hmm. because uh we did it was so funny, Jason's wife. I think she's figured out the ultimate way to kind of bait us into going and doing anything. She was like, hey, these three guys across the street say they need a paranormal investigator. Might be <laughs> a ghost
1: involved. And it's like, we might need some
0: furniture moved.
1: Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I
0: don't think any of us have ever moved that fast in recent <laughs> years.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, it's like rolling a Nat 20.
0: Right. I mean, today is our day. We've trained, We've for, trained this for this for years. <laughs> we're, we're, our moment has come.
1: Yeah. So um, either um, they like to drink or they've got a poltergeist going on in there. Could be either one, really.
2: <laughs> that was a little bit weird.
1: So, Jason, what are we talking okay. about today? Uh, sorry, back on topic. Focus. The Uncanny Valley. I wanted to ask you guys, and by extension, our erstwhile listening audience. No, I've been there. <laughs> right, I've, <laughs> I've been there. I got the t-shirt on. Uh, but no, it's, you know, from
0: what I know, it's basically the, uh, the human brain's kind of being freaked out by seeing things that are a, a poor approximation Of
1: what a person looks like. Yes, yes. You see it a lot in um, robotics, and you see it a lot in and like CGI. I'll try to explain it as best I can, my humble understanding of it. I like to call it the nope effect. Like when you just see something and kind of instinctually, almost a gut reflex, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm out of here. Like it's something that just puts you off. You can't necessarily put your finger on it. There's that valley between your understanding and what it could be that just freaks you out. And this phenomenon was first discovered by a Japanese robotics engineer, Mori Masahiro, back in 1970. His work and his research wasn't translated into English until 2005. So the concept is kind of, you know, slow to come to us here in the West. What he discovered during his research was what he called, he can't, you know, he coined the term uncanny valley because it's what his, his, his graph would show. He would put his data on an XY, you know, graph and he would notice that there would be a sudden massive dip. And then a rebound, and that's what he called the uncanny valley. So the y-axis on his chart tracked human affinity. So like how much you kind of like something, right? You positive feelings about something that you've encountered. While on the x-axis, he would chart human likeness, like how something close is to being human. Like how close it gets to be, as we would understand, an actual human being. And the chart at the beginning showed like a steady up and to the right trend until the robotics that he was engineering began to get more and more similar to actual human life and characteristics. So the closer he got to making like a real android or robot human being, all of a sudden the uncanny valley would appear and that that it would go off the charts to the point that it actually dipped down into the negative. As in they were just like terribly freaked out by these creations. Yeah, the more human like it became over time, it got to a certain point and then it just shot down off the chart. The affinity you felt for this thing just went into the negatives. And it did kind of rebound after a while if it got really smack on close to something you would recognize as a human again. So, that big gulf that the the chart, you know, the graph showed is what he called the valley.
0: So, in the study,
1: at any point did
0: he, like, have pictures of actual people showing, like, that people would have affinity for actual people? that They could distinguish the difference between uh, an actual person and a poor approximation
1: of them. Um, I'm not sure... Like, he, I don't think he was doing this, like, scientifically to, like, prove that point. Mm-hmm. He was just charting the trend and noticed the valley. I don't know how much he tested it, like, on on the other end of it.
2: He it was, it was probably getting data on, how do, how do my robots look?
1: Yeah. If he was if his goal was to get something that's indistinguishable from a human, he would want the chart, like... Swipe right. How swipe left. Yeah. So, like, if you had, like, a cutesy, cartoony robot, you know, everybody likes those. They're kind of cute. They're, we know they're not human. and But they're cute. There's enough humanness, you know, two eyes and a mouth and all that stuff. Like R2-D2 or right.
0: BB-8 from Star Wars. Everybody loves those. They, right. they have no semblance to humanity whatsoever but they're they're endearing.
1: Yeah, and even like, you know, animals like cats and dogs we like them because we recognize some. Of, there's some affinity there. They they seem to sometimes share emotions with us and um, you know, they're, again, the whole <laughs> two eyes and a mouth thing, we recognize the similarity of that and it's something we can get on board with. Anthropomorphic familiarity. Okay, yeah. Um, one good example wow. is the two thousand four movie The Polar Express. It's like a Christmas time movie with Tom Hanks. Yeah, maybe for freaks me out. Yeah. It's the classic example when it comes to like the visual arts and like CGI and stuff. And it involved a lot of motion capture technology, but it was still you know, it was early door early days kinda two thousand four so. The re- graphics were pretty rough. They were still working out the kinks. So a lot of the audiences were just like repulsed by this. It's it's their weird dead eyes that they have. Yeah.
0: If you look at all of the character animations, they have these weird, like, almost doll's eyes kind of look to
1: them. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's it's very unnerving. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that as a kid. Funny, because, you know, like, every year they still dredge that thing up and show it during Christmas time. And I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through because no. I just don't care. I never made it. But I can see that, yeah, even though it's Tom Hanks and everybody loves Tom Hanks, it's still just, the graphics are just so rough at the time. It got close, but not close enough, and it fell squarely into the yeah. Uncanny Valley. I'd like to think another recent box office bust that kind of triggers some of this was the, the like the live action Cats musical. <laughs> oh god, that remember was when a that thing. thing? You remember when that came out? Oh, you didn't? You, you don't know what we're talking about? Absolutely not. I think it made it one oh, weekend. Man, and yeah, it had like Jennifer Lawrence and a bunch of like big time. And, Iris like, uh, Taylor Swift, Iris I'd, Elba was yeah, in yeah, it too. Yeah. A lot of big name actors and stuff, and they catted them up and they did the musical, which is a great musical. Everybody loves the musical Cats, but like when they made it human yeah but
0: but they're they're very much like uncanny i mean i know you know uncanny valley cats they're like these weird kind of hodgepodge looking like cats almost is what i would call them <laughs> and in not character. in the hot way either but no not in the fun <laughs> way but they're they're horrifying to look upon like if this was meant to be a horror movie it would be really good but just, there's something about it. The character design is just so bizarre in that movie. I've not watched it personally, but I've seen a lot of the pictures from it. Mm-hmm. Just because I was you know, curious when people were talking about how just terrible the movie was and how weird, like, it was to see these actors in, like, these weird kind of semi cat
1: forms. Yeah. And another example is probably, like, just like this week on Disney, they released a She Hulk miniseries. And I haven't had a chance to watch it, but apparently the CGI in that is quite bad the main the main actor you know they kind of cgi her up to be She-Hulk, and it doesn't work and a lot of people have given a lot of negative feedback because it's just i don't know if it's just because the technicality of it is just crappy or because it tr- maybe it triggers the uncanny valley she's close enough to human but not quite there that oh god out. this
2: cat stuff looks terrible
1: yeah i feel like mike runs on
0: internet explorer <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, we're like two topics ahead and he was like that cat movie yeah, can't, can't believe they put something out there like that. It's how can you screw up Cats? That's been like a great musical for decades. You know, I love the. Mu- <laughs> but yeah, I, I've seen some of the the memes and screenshots from the She Hulk uh, show mm-hmm. and the CGI. You would think with the budget that Disney and Marvel yeah, that they should have had
1: to work with yeah.
0: would be over the top, just absolutely amazing. And it's it's rough. I don't it's, give a crap. I'm still watching it. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch it. I like. I mean, I'm a, a total sucker for all that stuff. I love all mm-hmm. those things. But it was It was kind of a weird technical flaws.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, this is Gravedigger Radio, and we usually deal with spookier stuff. Not that this isn't spooky, but I wanted to kind of talk about this as a psychological phenomenon and kind of ponder about how um, outside the field of robotics and, and CGI and stuff, is this something that, evolutionarily speaking, we have developed over time, maybe even like some kind of survival mechanism that serves us in the real world, but it took these more modern examples to show it. Almost you mean, like, like when you see like a enough. living
2: person that freaks you out just in the appearance,
1: yeah, or even you know we otherwise have a lot totally
2: of, normal looking nothing nothing going on, yeah, okay,
1: but there's just something off about them, and you can you can't quite put your feeling your finger on it, but your gut tells you maybe you need to go the other direction,
0: so there's actually you know and, and i I'm, I'm glad that we're doing this topic. it was something that I was kind of interested in just, i've just have been kind of cursory studying on, so there is the um anthropology. Kind of mindset of the reason that we experience this is due to if you look at kind of fossil records over history, there were many different kind of divergent evolutions of of man. You had hmm. your like Homo habilis, Homo sapien. You had your Neanderthals, all your that
1: anonymous Mikeus?
0: Yes, anonymous Mikey. He's actually the still living See Neanderthal. The forehead on that guy. <laughs> right? He's still the living Neanderthal that we have for this podcast. It's very fascinating. <laughs> But all of those would definitely fall into the category of something that would trigger the Uncanny Valley, of something that looked pretty close
1: to human, but was not actually of the same species. Well, somebody was going giggity with the Neanderthals, because we still, like, some people have up to 5% of their DNA. <laughs> right. It's Neanderthal. Uh,
0: so, the thing of it is, though, humans, they're kind of what was like a mass extinction event triggered by humans, to where we just competing for resources and land and... and expansion in a sense, basically went on a just killing spree and genocided everything that wasn't human that kind of fell into this uncanny valley.
2: I oh, thank God we've changed.
0: Right. Yeah. I was going to say, we've come so far in the last 10,000 years. It's crazy how that worked. But yeah, there's actually evidence that shows that that Homo sapiens, they kind of work towards becoming the dominant species, basically just went on a, just a mass extinction, a mass eradication of everything that was a competitor for them. Mm-hmm.
2: And there's some evidence too that we bred into each other. And
0: oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure some of that occurred too. There's always a Zack out there who's willing to. Oh yeah, <laughs> right.
1: Well, I'll have you know, I am I'm I'm two percent Neanderthal DNA. Um, and there, I think there's you know probably some examples from folklore too. You know, you hear about doppelgangers and shapeshifters. Um, even like innocuous folk tales, like Little Red Riding Hood, where the, the wolf dresses up like Granny, and it, you know, she figures it out and. Little things like that that I think has been passed down, kind of a hint about the Uncanny Valley and being able to, you know, consciously or not realize when something ain't quite right. And oh, like the Men in Black. I was about to say, remember an old podca- an episode we did of the podcast about the Men in Black and how they try to pass themselves off as human? And Zach's more the authority on this, but they get it wrong and, it, and people remember that and it freaks them out. And they report, you know, these sightings of these strange men that they weren't quite sure were men. That's, that's something that comes up again
0: and again with the men in black is to where it's this like really bad approximation. And, and really we touch we touched on that in the Mothman episode, we'll eventually down the road do a, a a deep dive of the men in black because there's multiple instances where they pop up surrounding events of high strangeness. Mm -hmm. But the events in Point Pleasant surround the Mothman incident. Yeah. They all had that kind of like super pale white skin that you can almost see through and, and this kind of weird and talked really strange, and, and we'll we'll dig into that down the road for sure.
1: And it wasn't just their um, physical appearance, you know, it was like their mannerisms, and they, almost like they'd studied human behavior, and were trying to do a, like a poor mimicry of it, which was, just made it worse, just made it even weirder. Going back to kind of the the ideas of doppelgangers, some of the
0: scientific stuff, there's actually a condition called Capgras Syndrome, or known as the Delusion of Doubles. And it's basically a psychological condition where people believe that the people around them have been replaced with uh, imposters and doubles. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the that story of, like, some of the Hollywood elites, like, M and M. People notice they say, well, this hairline changed. And yeah.
0: Or, or, like, like Avril Levine and all that stuff. But these people believe, like, the people in their daily life have been replaced with doubles. I mean, that would explain some things. So, yes, I mean, it would.
1: So, I wanted to ask you guys... If you have any good examples that that have triggered you, you know, in your personal life or just celebrities or whatever, and the example I came up with was Elizabeth Holmes, and uh, she was in the news a lot, you know, kind of into last year because Mm -hmm. the court cases were going down where she was finally convicted of fraud and everything. You know, for for years leading up to this, she'd gotten a lot of press because she was this young, uh, powerful CEO of this company. Oh, is that the blood test lady? Yes. It was a total sham. Yeah. Total sham. She looks like a psycho. Yeah, the company was called Theranos. I'm like, you know, you take the E and the R out, and you've got Thanos. So if you name your <laughs> multinational corporation over like the greatest super villain of all time, maybe yeah, she, she doesn't blink. Doesn't blink. She mimics Steve Jobs and and like dress and that kind and, of stuff. Does she wear the same kind of outfits? Dress. She lowers her voice when she speaks to sound more commanding. She wears the black turtleneck up to here. All her presentations about the company or company are just like straight torn from like you know how Apple used to do the big. Announcement day, where they'd be on stage showing all their new products and stuff. She she mimicked that down to to the, the tiniest degree, and you just look at her and you know the lies she would tell, and the company was just complete sham, and all the employees knew it. She finally went down for fraud and everything. But um, yeah, Google yourself some images of Elizabeth Holmes and pour yourself a stiff drink because it scares the shit out of her. She's Jeez. super awkward. Well,
0: I think the reason she has the turtleneck and everything on is to hide all the, the robot scales. parts. <laughs> well, the scales. I was thinking like cyborg. So, for the people that don't know, the whole Theranos thing, it was basically she and this company had propped up this idea.
1: Quick, of, easy blood test, right?
0: Well, yeah. The, well, they could test like basically every lab you could ever want as far as like right. on the base level of things yeah. from a single drop of blood. Yeah. And that's completely impossible. You, you can't do it. So they ended up finally proving that it was a sham after they had defrauded all these people out of a bunch of money, and she went down for it. But yeah, she's she's definitely the fact that she doesn't blink. People that
1: don't blink kind of freak me out a little bit, just in general. She's got these big old eyes, and her mannerisms are just off. Again, she's trying to like mimic uh, Steve Jobs down to you know like one percent, and it's just it's just creepy. But Jobs had some personality. She's blank. She would manipulate her voice even during the course of the same interview. You know, she would just start talking deeper when she wanted to be more authoritative. And then when she get agitated or anxious, she'd go back to like a high pitch, like her normal voice, as if she was, you know, worried or confused or whatever. And like a hard question came out, her, you know, she'd get a, 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 and then go back down to being like in a deep voice, and she's trying to be all authoritative creepy there's plenty of videos and stuff you can watch that people like analyzing her and it just oh it just wears me out i can't hang it and, and i have to wonder psychologically
0: like what has occurred for somebody to have their personality just completely stripped away and basically made into being an agglomeration of all these different business moguls because mm-hmm. i mean to me that almost sounds like a psychological conditioning kind of thing
2: so who else freaks you all out
1: yeah you guys got any example
2: oh hands down I, i've got one well what's yours um, Tom Cruise freaks me out,
1: <laughs> and
2: I—I <laughs> really like Tom Cruise as an actor, but watching him as a person in his interviews and stuff, it's just
1: very strange. Well, there was the whole couch jumping thing on Oprah's yeah. show.
2: Watching yeah. his interview with Matt Lauer on the Today Show years mm. ago, that was odd.
1: I mean, I know we can't talk
0: about Scientology on this podcast, damn it, because their legal team will like be repelling down the walls and busting through the windows if we do. But like, so what is it exactly, Mike? I'm, I'm we we're, we're gonna explicitly not talk about Scientology.
2: Well, I mean, it, what really stands out to me is during the interview, he was just like Matt Lauer asked him a question, and he's like, "Mad, mad, 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 mad. You're so glib," and that just struck me as just being so weird and awkward. Of course, amongst a bunch of other examples with him. You know, and, and I, w- I wonder if it's per- partially psychological detachment that, you know, he's in, he's involved with a religion that is kind of closed door. And and that, that's going to change a person, you know, for better or for worse. I don't know. But uh, I just found him. I find him really intriguing, to be honest.
0: Well, that's concerning, Mike. Uh, <laughs> but no, I kind mean, of I kind of I I don't know. I feel like more it's an attachment from reality than it is necessarily he is the thing that's not right. Like his his mental thinking processes are totally just out there. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. He doesn't quite trigger that for me. But the fact that he doesn't age, (laughs) that weirds me out. That's a
1: thing, yeah. But I guess with enough money, you eventually quit aging. I think that's a thing, too. We may call this the Jason theory, but once you get so much money that you're completely encapsulated away from, like, humanity, I think you go fucking nuts. Well, because you have nothing to ground you. Michael Jackson? What happened to that dude?
0: Right. You just, you lose all of the things. I think it's good to a degree to have... At least something that you worry about, something that slightly concerns you.
2: John McAfee is another example.
0: Oh, the the computers guy. Yep. I, I all I know was that he killed himself because of like insurance fraud or just tax Just go fraud look
2: fraud. into his background.
0: Why? What's his? Oh, is just, he just a monster? We, that's a whole podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess apparently down the road we're gonna do <laughs> stay the. Stay <John>, tuned. Yeah, <laughs> stay tuned for that episode. Uh, see, I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna take the low hanging fruit for mine. And go with Mark Zuckerberg.
2: Oh, he's definitely draconian. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, the
2: fact... Lizard, lizard people. Right. Have you ever seen him drink?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm waiting. No. Oh, when he was doing... Did you not see any of the uh, congressional <laughs> trial stuff with Facebook and him? <laughs> no. It's like he didn't quite understand what, like, a cup was. He didn't. It and didn't. it was very bizarre. Like, he didn't understand how to drink from a cup. He Like, he moved his spine to drink. He was just... A- <laughs> Like, I was seriously waiting for him to blink sideways and, like, a tongue to come out and, like, lick the eyeball. Yeah, no, for me, it's that guy, because he looks like Data from Star Trek. I like Data, though. Yeah, Data's more human. Data's more normal. (laughs) Right. Data passes the Uncanny Valley better than Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) I
2: mean, I think Zuckerberg would fail the Turing test. Uh, What's the Turing test? The the Turing test is a uh, it's it's an assessment when you talk to an artificial intelligence as to whether or not it has sentience.
0: Okay. Hmm. Tell tell me more. Um, you have, my, so you have my interest. This is becoming you know, being an
2: IT guy, this is this is becoming a topic of some pretty serious consideration. <laughs> uh, considering that yeah, we won't say anything. Well you've got you've got a you've got a guy that leaves that leaves Google and basically outs it to the world. He said that Google's AI oh, is sentient. Yeah. He said there's yeah, no question yeah. about it. And I don't know if there's anything to that as a computer scientist I, I I've got my doubts of course because they're a way of trick there ways of tricking the Turing test It's really interesting though.
0: I've heard a little bit about the guy that said Google's AI is sentient yeah it didn't go like like total murder machine or didn't it have like some like really crazy things that They're usually to do. typically
1: racist is oh, get I, out.
0: yeah I thought there was like some racism or something the only with thing it?
2: that I'd seen that it, it, it would it would the AI would make comments on its own like I don't feel well today.
0: Or did it, did it want it to be like shut, or was afraid of dying, or something like that? I don't, I don't afraid know. Of being shut I off? don't
2: have a lot of information on it. I'd like to, I'd like to investigate that more if I got time.
1: I, for one, welcome our machine overlords.
0: Oh, they
2: got to do a better job than we do.
1: If, <laughs> if I will volunteer to be the first one
0: downloaded into the robot body, shit, yeah,
1: I have no qualms about that at all. Well, that's really all I had for today. I just wanted to talk about the uncanny valley. I came across it again recently and wanted to talk about it and. Uh, you know, listeners, if you have any good examples or anything, fill that up on our, our social media. Um, it's a fascinating topic to me. I've met a few people in life that's triggered that in me, and it's, it's just really terrifying to be in the presence of someone that triggers that in me. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, you see some of these people and it's like, I want to be as far, as far away from them as I possibly can. Or kill them with fire. Yeah. I mean, it does kind of trigger that reptile brain thing yeah. of like attack on sight. Yep. Well, guys, thank you all so much for. Rejoining us here at Gravedigger Radio. Oh, it's good to be back. It's great to be back in the studio and, and telling you guys about weird stuff that just kind of sits there and pollutes our brain. <laughs> and I think that's really what this podcast is kind of for us in a sense. It's, it's like a pop off valve to help us from going insane. We purposely have filled our brains full of just all kinds of stuff like this and, and horror and madness and the macabre and everything. And Lord help us. And so we, we choose to lovingly just regurgitate it. <laughs> back out to you. For your pleasure. <laughs> kind of like a, an audio medium of like a mother bird. And that's what we here are for you at <laughs> Gravedigger Radio.
2: That's probably why they watch the shows, to just see what, what we're going to burp what's, up next.
1: What's going to come out next? Just if you're thinking your life is shit, you can always listen <laughs> to us. <and> <laughs> <laughs> you ain't doing too bad!
0: Well, if you like what you heard here, and you want to help us keep doing it, head over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Gravedigger Radio. Tune in next time for the spooky tale.